Welcome to the Indiana 4-H Clover Call Podcast, where our goal is to share information about the people and programs that make the Indiana 4-H Youth Development Program such an important part of our communities. We welcome youth and adult 4-H volunteers, 4-H youth and their families, extension professionals, and any others who are interested in providing positive opportunities for youth. We thank you for joining us for this episode, which begins now. Welcome to the Clover Call podcast. Today, we're going to have a conversation with our Area 6 4-H Youth Development Extension Educators about a day in the life of an educator. These 4-H educators are located in the counties surrounding Indianapolis, as well as including Indy. We have a wide range of years of experience, history, so this is going to be a very rich and robust conversation, and I look forward to having with my colleagues. My name is Kathleen Bodie, and I'm the 4-H educator in Hamilton County, and um, with us today, we've got many um, educators here. I've got six um, total of us around the table. Um, I'm going to have a great uh, kind of coffee conversation and Ashley is also going to be my co-host. I'm going to let her introduce herself and we'll get started. Hello, my name's Ashley Shuffelbarger and I am a 4-H educator in Marion County. Great, we'll just go around the table here. Heather, you'd like to Hi, my name is Heather and Heather Dorney, and I am the 4-H Youth Development Extension Educator in Johnson County. Very cool. Amber? Hi, I'm Amber Barks. I'm the 4-H Educator in Hancock County. Hey, everyone. My name is Katie Sweet. I'm the 4-H Youth Development Extension Educator in Hendricks County. Cool. Last but not least. Rachel. I'm Rachel Smith. I am one of the other 4-H educators in Marion County. Very cool. We have, like I said earlier, robust years of experience and journeys of how we got here. So I will let you guys popcorn around. Of, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to become um, the 4-H educator in your county. I'm happy to start. So um, I actually started in November 2019, and I was not from a traditional 4-H background. I did not do 4-H when I was a kid, um, but I was super passionate about project-based learning, and I worked in several different youth organizations in Marion County focused on project-based learning. Um, so 4-H was a supernatural fit for me, and uh, it has been a wild, exciting journey ever since. So about well, you, Rachel. Yeah, I'll pick you back off of Ashley. Um, I got into 4-H um, because I didn't like my first career. <laughs> so I also wasn't um, a traditional 4-H'er as a child. I had lots of friends that did it, and I had um, random years that I would do projects, and eventually I got into dog 4-H. Um, but I interned one summer in college with Hendricks County. Um, so when I <clears throat> was about three years into my first career out of college, um, panicking that I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I wanted to make a change. Um, I sat down and just started listing out all the things that I felt were a possibility. And I remembered the one summer that I interned um, and then I started doing research into extension and fell on into it. So I started in a rural county in Southern Indiana. And um, after a few years there, finally found a position up closer to all my friends and family in Marion County. 
I um, was probably born into extension because my mom was an extension educator. So I always say that I was attending 4-H meetings in the womb. So coming back to the 4-H education part is kind of natural to me because that's what I grew up with. Um, I took a step away from it thinking I was going to go into elementary education. Said that wasn't what I was going to do. Ended up with the Military Extension Partnership, which Purdue does, and did some with that and got a degree in extension and came back to be a 4-H educator. My experience is probably um, the traditional 4-H experience. Um, I was a 10-year 4-H member in Johnson County and had really amazing 4-H educators growing up. Um, and then I was the summer intern at our extension office in high school and then in college. Um, and so it was kind of the joke that I was like the long-term intern that never left. And so um, when I graduated from Purdue, I originally went into teaching um, ag education at local high school, middle school, and did that for five years while working on my master's degree and then got my master's and um, it was kind of weird, the timing, um, the educator decided that was here, decided to leave and I just got my master's. And so I applied and, um, it was kind of weird, the timing, but it all worked out. And so I have been here for six years now. So, so I, um, am a self-proclaimed 4-H nerd. And so 4-H, I feel like I have bits and pieces of your guys' story that also fits into my story too. Um, so I was involved heavily in 4-H in Warren County growing up. My mom was a leader, um, very active in junior leaders, traditional 10-year 4-H member. Um, hi to all the Warren County people. Um, and then I actually went to a camp at Purdue through 4-H um, when I was in about eighth grade. And that was when I decided that I wanted to be in 4-H uh, for like a career. And I random fact, Heather and I actually met at that camp um, when we were kids. <laughs> and so it's kind of cool, come full circle, now we're working together. Um, <laughs> but I, I left that camp uh, really fired up about uh, 4-H and sharing what 4-H has to offer. And so I got my bachelor's degree in public relations and advertising from Ball State University and then decided Indiana was way too cold and went south to North Carolina State University to get my master's in extension education. And I came back fresh out of gra graduating with my master's to start working in Marshall County as the 4-H educator up there. So hi, Marshall County people. Um, <laughs> and June 1st, I will actually be celebrating my ninth year in extension. Um, and so I came down to Hendricks County in 2015. I started January 1st, 2015 there. So I've been a bit all over the state in different sizes of counties as well. Um, Cause I also interned in Warren County growing up uh, as well. So uh, yeah, self-proclaimed 4-H nerd. I knew I wanted to be in this position since the time I was in eighth grade because of my experiences in 4-H, so. It's so interesting that we all have different paths, um, but yet very similar. Um, I, as being the veteran on here, have almost 20 years of experience as being the 4-H educator and um, was one of those that 
um, in high school knew I, I wanted to go on and be, I wanted to be that extension educator. I um, saw the value in out of school education. Um, I also um, have a mother that was a school teacher. And at that age, when you're a teenager, you're like, no, I don't want to be a school teacher like my mom. So I wanted, I wanted to be in education. And then now I look back, I'm like, oh, I'm so close to, you know, you always becoming what your mom are. But um we, uh, my path um, led me to, yeah, to Purdue in child development and family studies and learning about after-school programming and how um, hands-on learning and, and what we were doing through my 4-H career. I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't have the words behind it. I couldn't name it, but that's what I wanted to, to do and was able to um, find the right internships, the right mentors that helped led me um, through this path to to make it a, a career. And um, as we're going to get into every day of this job is so different. And um, that's how I think I have stayed as long as I have, um, because each year, each situation just adds and grows us and um, makes the job different. So thank you guys for sharing your journey. And I, I've been around long enough that Heather, I remember her as the um, summer intern at 4-H camp. So I have that connection. And now she's my colleague. So uh, thank you for sharing that. But as we are, you know, taping here in May um, and for, for a future podcast, we've got a lot of high schoolers that are thinking about um, their next steps or career moves. Um, and, we, and we know that we are always looking for new educators out in that field. So how would you guys describe your job to that high schooler or even a community member of like, what do you do? Um, or what kind of skills do educators need to, to be successful in this role? I think one of the things that you have to be ready for in this role is to take every day as an adventure. We have something change every day and I don't call them interruptions when people come in. I call it like, that's the next adventure. What do we get to do today? So there's different things going on every day and you just never know what's going to come your way. I would agree with Amber on that. Um, I feel like adaptability is a big one. Um, and I think in any career that youth are interested in, adaptability is really important. Um, but in extension, especially in the 4-H world, uh, Kathleen, like you said, every day is not the same. And so one day we might be um, checking in goats or weighing sheep. And the next day we are going to be doing a program about trade industry, or we're going to 4-H camp, or we are um, doing a 4-H open house. So everything, every day is a bit different and it's not your traditional sit in the office eight to four type of job. You're out, you're doing things, meeting people, um, evaluating the needs of a community. So I think adapting um, based on what those needs are in your community is, is key. So adaptability would be what I think is important. Agreed, like 200%. <laughs> I think you've got to be really flexible in this job because there's so much that's going on, right? Um, I also would say you, you have to have really strong communication or be willing to um, communicate as openly as possible with folks. Uh, and I think that goes hand in hand with like, you need to have a passion for the community that you're serving. Um, and you need to be willing to be partners with the folks that, that you're working with. Uh, yeah, I think those are those are my big ones. <laughs> yeah, my, my word was passion too. So I'll play off of Ashley's where, uh, um, you know, this job allows um, 
allows you to, you know, follow your passions. Um, it's, it's great if your passions meet um, where the communities are. And I think a lot of us love our jobs because we want to be there for our community. Um, but you also have the flexibility to, you know, head in some directions that you um, really want to get youth involved in, that you really want to get, you know, 4-H families involved in, or just some fun one-offs. Kathleen just finished a Harry Potter Spark Club that um, we very well might be doing in the fall in Marion County because Ashley and I are both huge Harry Potter nerds. Um, but you just have that chance to, um, you know, do something different. Um, and hopefully kids will jump on board too. I agree with what everyone has said so far. Um, but I also think something that is important as educators, um, as we're working with youth is to be coachable um, because we have to stay with the current times of youth. And, you know, my 16 year old self is not the same as the 16 year olds these days. And so we have to, we are not experts at every topic area and or everything that we do. And so we have to be coachable in regards to wanting to learn too, because there, I mean, there's topics um, that we will teach and we bring in help with it, but we also need to be knowledgeable to answer questions. So I think coachable, even though this isn't a sport or anything like that, I think it's important that we're coachable and willing to learn and stay with the times. That's so true. Ever learning new things. There's a new, new way, a system of documenting new way that, um, you know, youth are being influenced, um, new processes that are happening, you know, mental health uh, initiatives that two years ago is that, yeah, we were doing a little bit of that, but, you know, times have changed. And so we need to help support our youth. And so ever learning and, and understand that it ebb and flows and it keeps, um, it keeps adapting. And so we must keep adapting because society is changing. So when I first started, you know, you had a certain vision of what an educator's day in a life would be. And now it is definitely um, different and, and, and different and not a bad the word context, a different, but just to be relevant for Indiana 4-H to continue to be relevant, we as educators also need to grow and adapt. And I know that we are, um, you know, 4-H is a community for all youth. Um, so as we are empowering our young people, um, we see that they, every child has values and their strengths and their real influence. And so we want to make sure that, that we're there helping support and grow that passion that people were talking about growing, um, their knowledge base, but we don't have to do it ourselves. And that's the cool thing is that we can partner with others. We have great volunteers that can be that context expert. Rachel mentioned earlier about Harry Potter. I'm going to admit, I've not read a single Harry Potter book, but I did um, watch the movies and I put on a, a spark club. It's a six hour content. And when I first mentioned that to the youth, very passionate youth about Harry Potter, about, you know, I'm just getting, getting in the context of, of watching movies. I'm like, no, stop we've got to read the books. And so the passion that they have, I'm learning from them just as much as I can help facilitate um, the programming. So that's the cool thing about this job as well. I would say to a high schooler that might be thinking about a, a possible career in positive youth development, um, that you do not have to know everything and you need to be understand that you're not gonna know everything. 
but be willing to learn. So that that's that's a great great segue into our next question of sometimes people think 4-H educators that we just work in June and July during the county fair. So how would if somebody want to take the lead on this question of how would you describe maybe how our calendar year workflow of you know what are we doing in September, October, December like so Tell us more of what, what do we do in our job? So I actually just went over this with somebody the other day because they thought I only worked in the summer and I was like, oh boy, no, no, no. Um, so this is kind of a year and what, and it varies depending on the educator, but just a very broad description of our year. So obviously um, our, we start our reporting year um, September. So August, we've got state fair and we're doing our reporting from the previous year. September is here and we are turning in our new goals about what we want our program to look like um, and having those evaluated with our district directors. And then October and November and sort of December for me at least is 4-H promotion because 4-H online opens October 1. I, my county personally goes to all the schools, we visit all the schools, we go to fall festivals, carnivals, all this stuff to get 4-H promotion out. In December, it's kind of like, you know, everyone's in the holiday gear and we still do our job, don't get me wrong, um, but we're kind of in the holiday gear and December just seems like a really short month. Um, and so, and then also in October, November, December, we also have a lot of our trainings for the coming year. So our national conference, PDC conference. So we are getting trained. And then it's like, bam, January's here. And 4-H online is preferred enrollment deadline, January 15th. Then we have our February is a lot of financial stuff for me with clubs, getting my handbook out, getting project changes out, um, starting my YQCA trainings. March, and I always say this every year when I have my cattle ID in March, after that, it's like full gear on, like it just does not stop in March. So that's when we start our animal ID, ID days, weighing, tagging, um, preparing for summer camps, mini 4-H camps. Um, and then April, the springtime here, um, we do, um, again, you know, getting ready for fair judges hiring our judges, um, doing, and obviously in there throughout the whole way is volunteer training and volunteer development, meeting with 4-H councils, extension boards, fair boards, and then May comes around and we are May 6th, 15th, sorry, this year it was the 16th, May 15th, animal enrollment deadline, verifying DNA samples, um, and then June is trips, and we've got 4-H camp, 4-H roundup, 4-H academy, and then it's like, dang, some of us have June fairs, some of us have July fairs, and then we start the whole process over again. And so, but some of you are probably thinking, well, that's a lot of 4-H, which is, yes, it is 4-H. So when do we do our actual programming where we, like, educate children? And that is a really good question, and I think it varies between educators, but for me, I try to get all of my programming, such as like Chef University, the National STEM Challenge, I try to get those in school enrichment programming um, before February, because if I do not get it done before February, 
it, it ain't, it ain't going to happen. So um, that is what a year as a forage educator looks like. And it goes fast, very fast. <laughs> Whew, Heather, I am tired. Like that is a great synopsis of our calendar year. You're so right. Like there's so many moving parts and yeah, you were really describing our community club programming. And then, yeah, in addition to our out of school time programming as well as our in school time programming. So we cover the gamut of things. Any other, I mean, that was a great synopsis, but I know that we all have our, our um, different things. Any additional comments on things that we do besides that one week of fair? I would just add, you know, Marion County, we're so special. Um, we focus a lot on volunteer development because we have a million people in our county. There's just oodles of children. Uh, so we really put a lot, actually, especially, um, put a lot of work into um, getting trainings out to our volunteers, getting them the resources, um, supporting new volunteers as much as possible because they're the ones that are really going to get to um you know, reach out to these kids and, and encourage them to join 4-H. Um, we do some promotion, but it's, we need those boots on the ground people. And in Marion County, we rely on our volunteers a lot. Um, so when, when the other counties are dealing with animal IDs, because we have basically no livestock um, and it's wonderful, um, <laughs> we're really focusing on um, supporting our, our volunteer base. I think you did a great job, Heather. Like, I, I feel like that was a very good quick synopsis of what we do in uh, as 4-H educators. So, so maybe the, because um, I know we've got so much to, to cover here. What may be something that somebody doesn't know that we do as, as a 4-H educator? Um, is there something that, a misconception, a myth buster that we could provide of what, what do we do? They're all thinking on, if we could just see this Zoom call here, they all like, oh, what do we do? I think sometimes people don't realize that um, I'm at a lot of things, but I'm also either prepping it. Um, an example would be, um, I may not be at that um, workshop, but our office or that helped put things together, get, um, for example, a mini 4-H meeting, um, I may not be able to attend it, but we helped prep it. Um, so there's a lot of times, especially when I'm, at, I'm preparing for FAIR, we do a lot of behind the scenes work, getting scorecards, getting judges, getting all the things. So that way, when that event happens, the volunteers have everything that they need. Those youth are ready to shine. And I'm back probably onto the next activity or things. And unfortunately, a lot of times when we're putting on a, a big event, um, if it's a big volunteer development event um, or the county fair, we're always thinking about that next thing. So I may not be able to be present at everything. Like, well, where's that educator at? Well, they may not be physically in that room because they're, they're already going on to others. So I think sometimes the misconception of, oh, well, the educator's not supporting X program. Well, no, we are. We, we got everything ready. We just are on to the next thing. So I guess I'd like to myth bust that, that sometimes I can't be present at everything, but I've helped support. I've communicated with my volunteers. The kids are ready and we're ready to have a great whatever X is. I was going to say, um, I feel like the biggest thing that people think of when they think of 4-H is going to be the fair, the county fair, state fair, 
you know, a fair of some sort. Um, and there is so much prep that goes into that, um, not just on the 4-H side of things, but if you have um, fair boards that work with vendors, carnivals, all that sort of stuff. But 4-H educators are still involved usually in those conversations. Um, but livestock, for example, Heather mentioned um, YQCA, which is used for the quality care of animals. That's a training that educators provide to our 4-Hers uh, that are going to be showing at our fair. So that's something that's done maybe in March, April, May, but is important for when they are showing in June and July. Um, you know, we do I livestock ID days to, again, get ready for fair. We help promote those workshops for posters that are going to be on display at fair. Um, there's a lot of things that go into making our fairs happen. That is, uh, again, one of our, our big focal points in 4-H. Obviously, there's way more, as we've talked about, to 4-H. But when uh, the general public a lot of times ties the fair to 4-H, uh, I don't think there's a, a lot of people that understand everything that has gone on to actually make that happen. And on top of that, Ashley and Rachel both talked about the importance of volunteer development. I mean, we do a lot of volunteer development and management um, on our side of things as educators, that's super important to be able to have events and programs and workshops and clubs, um, because without our volunteers, we, we couldn't do our job, but we have to make sure those volunteers are still following protocols properly, that um, we're making sure our youth are getting a safe and educational um, opportunity throughout the year as well. So I think absolutely a lot of behind that scenes prep stuff and management um, is something that I think people just are like, oh, that 4-H event happened and it was awesome and now move on. But they don't realize it took literally a full year to make that event happen. I love that, Katie. And it also makes me think it, it ties into what I was thinking about, which is that uh, you know, our roles as 4-H educators are kind of autonomous and that we get a lot of freedom to be able to choose how we want to focus our time. Um, I think something that we do pretty extensively that's a big primary focus for us is like we have to determine what our community needs in order to effectively do our job. And so conducting those community needs assessments, like talking with the community, going out and figuring out how we can apply what we have as 4-H educators to share with others um, is such a big part of what we do that I don't think everybody always thinks about. Yeah. Which, I, if, I, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Go good. ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to transition to the next question, but oh. I want you to, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I guess this isn't necessarily educators in general, but I feel like 4-H programming as a whole, because we have such a diverse and passionate group of educators, like our programming, not just in area six, but across the state has diversified as well. Um, so I get a lot of times, like we have some great STEM volunteers in Hendricks County that have really ramped up STEM programming. And I have several parents tell me after the, their kids have attended one of our like spring break programs or um, spark programs, um, they're like, I didn't even realize 4-H did XYZ because they still think that again 4-H is the fair and that's it or 4-H is the animal specifically at the fair you know and we know that there's so much more to it so I think 
Um, again, not just 4-H educators, but I think there's a lot of like hidden treasures within 4-H that people are still learning about. Um, you know, we have a 4-H chorus, we have a 4-H band, um, we have things like performing arts, um, again, STEM programming. There's a lot of things that um, I, I think we're starting to expand 4-H um, from just our heavily agricultural roots to be able to meet those needs of the community too. So I think that's something that is hopefully becoming more known in the state of Indiana, um, but I think that it's still uh, not commonly known that 4-H has all these extra opportunities. And my, my one quick addition um, would be fundraising and financials. I mean, very, very county specific, um, but even if you have a county that your county commissioners or wherever you're getting your funding from is, is robust, you still have to be at you know budget meetings and, and get things planned and, and do a lot of communication on that as well. Um, plus grant writing. I think a lot of us have in the past few years gotten into <laughs> grant writing um, and that takes a ridiculous amount of time. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> so I think that we can probably all agree, right, that there are some parts of the job that are tasks and there are some parts of the job that we super love and that's why we stay here, right? Um, so as we transition to closing, can everybody share a little bit about like what brings you joy in your role as an extension educator? Can I take the easy one? The kids. <laughs> um, I think time and time again, I've been in this job for almost six years, um, but time and time again, I'll get, you know, frustrated or just bogged down with the mundane tasks and then a pop so you know one day program or a quick one hour something um where I'm you know face to face with these kids and immediately I love everything about my job again <laughs> I mean it's it's why we do the job um but being able to see um just them having fun on one end of the spectrum to you know having a week-long program where day one, they're scared and they're nervous and they don't want to do anything or, or um, they have no idea what they're doing to, you know, day five of that week-long spring break program or fall break program, they're basically experts. I mean, they're mastering, we'll throw out some essential elements, um, they're mastering something that they had no idea what they were doing at the beginning of the week. And that's something that leads them on in the rest of their life. They don't, you know, walk out the door and everything drains out of their brain. You know, that's, that's something that is, um, permanent now. I mean, they, they know something that they didn't know five days ago. Um, and it's just so much fun to see. <laughs> I, just, I love it. I love when my uh, family can also tie into 4-H too. So I have two young kids at home and on more than one occasion, um, the, they have had to come with me to a junior leader meeting, a 4-H council meeting, a fair board meeting, whatever it may be, um, because schedules are hectic or whatnot. And um, I love the fact that my 4-Hers and my volunteers have just really embraced the fact that I am a mom and that um, my family is important and that they're fine with being able to have uh, extra kids at the meeting if needed. And 
Um, I mean, it's just awesome to see like my junior leaders um, care for my kids. Like they are excited to see them too when they get to come to a meeting. Um, so I think it's really great that 4-H can also, like my work can also tie into my family um, to help uh, with some of that work-life balance that a lot of times I struggle with. And so that's one joy thing. And then definitely what Rachel said, I mean, working with our 4-Hers is just phenomenal. And like when we have kids come back, that were our 4-H member and are now an intern for our summer, um, just to be able to watch them grow and to develop uh, from being in our 4-H program to taking on a new role and seeing things behind the scenes as an intern um, is just always really exciting. And, um, you know, we hope that they leave and want to be interested in being an educator. Sometimes that works out, sometimes not. But <laughs> um, I, I think that's always a fun thing too, is especially working with our summer interns that have been in our program, seeing them kind of grow and change into that role from being a 4-H'er. Yeah, Katie, I have my first, um, she was a senior my first year, intern for a few years, finishing college and is starting down in Jennings County. I'm so excited. <laughs> I definitely think we live for those aha moments where kids actually have that light go off for them and those teachable moments. But I also live for some of those volunteers because they really do make our program an amazing opportunity for kids. And we really couldn't put on the program if we didn't have those people to back us up. And the passion they put into working with youth, it just amazes me that they are willing to give of their time and I'm just so thankful for them. I'm going to second that, Amber. I like, I love those moments when I'm talking with a new potential volunteer or a new community partner, and they're like so excited to get something started. And just being able to see that passion in an adult is not always common <laughs> in the everyday. Like you can see it with kids. And I love that too. But I like being able to see the excitement of adults through 4-H. I think it's so cool. I think also this kind of ties it back into the question of like what's co not commonly known about 4-H educators. Um, the fact that I get to work with awesome colleagues across the state too. So, you know, kudos to all you guys. Um, but I, I think that in Area 6, you know, we have monthly meetings, um, not only to conduct business because we have area events that we put on, but it's also a great just check-in point. And we have the opportunity to share frustrations, share encouragement. Um, you know, I had this situation come up. What did you do? How would you have handled it? Um, and I think that's just awesome that uh, across the state, we have several 4-H educators that we could call on at any time and just walk through questions, concerns, problems, ideas um, with them. And so uh, that's something I know growing up, I didn't realize um, how much 4-H educators, I guess, were really connected. And I feel like in Indiana, um, we we are very connected and uh, our area is very lucky, I think, to, to have the connections that we have across our counties to be able to, again, not only provide programming, but additional support to each other too. So that brings a lot of joy to, to this job, I feel like, working with awesome colleagues. That's what I was going to say. It was going to be my colleagues. Because, I mean, I love the youth and that aha moment, but truly um, you all are the only ones that truly get it all. Even my family that I go home to at night, they, they're like, okay, what it like, but um, my colleagues um, across the state, but then also nationwide um, that 4-H is a national organization. It is the um, 
um, largest youth serving organization and, and being part of that network and being able to, to call a, a colleague over in Wyoming or, um, you know, traveling to New Jersey next week to, to network with others and take some of our Indiana programming to them. So it, that brings me joy of being part of something bigger, not only in my local community, thinking right here in these little towns of Indiana, we got great programming, but we can take and make that reach all the way um, to, to, to each side coast of the coast. So that's, that's awesome. Is there anything as we wrap up, um, this has been a great coffee talk conversation. Is there anything that you wish we would have asked you that you want to make sure people know in the day of the life of a 4-H educator? I think uh, the only thing I would add is um, especially during, you know, the hecticness of May, June, and July, um, I always appreciate when like families, volunteers, whoever it may be, may have some extra patience with us <laughs> because our lives are so hectic on top of, you know, all of the work stuff. We all, we are, we all have families, you know, whether that's kids, cats, dogs, horses, whatever, <laughs> um, spouses, um, parents, everything, you know, we, we are all people too. And so, um, I appreciate when, when we're shown some extra, some patience and grace, um, during our hectic months, because, uh, again, we do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people might not think of. So I might take a little time to respond to that email, but it's because, you know, I'm putting out a fire over here, or I'm, I'm dealing with a, a volunteer issue over here, or I'm helping this 4-H'er get their books and make sure everything's correct over here. So, um, I, I love what, what I get to do as a, a job, but a lot of times, um, I feel like sometimes I'm behind on those connections. And so just having some grace and, <laughs> um, I think that's something that is important for people to hear too, from an educator. That's great. I think you, you're so right that we got lots of irons in the fire and, and we, we will try to, to, because we do want to make it a, a true real life educational opportunity for all our young people that we work with our volunteers and support them, but also, um, having our own, um, you know, this is, is our, our job or career. I, I truly believe that I don't work one, one day. I, it is part of who we are and that's how I've stayed as long as I have. And, um, but also know that we, it is our job. So we have, may have some other things going on. So that's, that's so true, but truly thank you all for taking your time out of today to give us a little bit behind the curtain of what is a day in the life of a 4-H educator. And uh, we have great representation here in area six and um, just truly thank you and uh, continue all the great work that you're doing in your local community, state and nationwide. All right, that's all we got here today for our Clover Call podcast. Um, please like, Facebook, or share our podcast to the future. Have a great day. Interested in learning more about Indiana 4-H? We invite you to visit our website, extension.purdue.edu slash 4-H, or contact your local Purdue Extension office and ask for the 4-H Youth Development Extension Educator. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss an episode. We look forward to joining you again on the next Indiana 4-H Clover Call.